y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Molly gets her own spinoff. Ava Burkowski helps us all find our best light. And Issa Rae is available to pick you up on the Lyft app. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. We've already started a dance party. <laughs> music. This is going to be a good episode. Everyone, welcome Kwebe Kote, the founder of the Bushwick Film Festival and Indie Cinema New York on Brick TV. Founded in 2007, the Brooklyn or Bushwick Film Festival ha- is hailed as one of Brooklyn's most celebrated events, recognized for contributing to the borough's artistic and economic growth. Born in Liberia, Kwebe attended public school in Newark, a private school at Blair Academy, and received her. Is this Bachelor of Science? Yes. Yes, at NYU. She's been featured in various publications, including NBC, Fox News, Pop Sugar, Delta Airlines, Huffington Post, Brooklyn Magazine, Bushwick Daily, Indie, <laughs> Indie Wire, and the list goes on. Woo-hoo! And now Beaver Talk. Yeah. And now Beaver Talk. Clearly, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. We're always happy to shine a light on one of our uh, very fabulous um, friends in the indie film or just in the film community. Um, you brought Dream Girl to Bushwick. It was our first Brooklyn screening. 2016. Think, was it 2016? Yeah, was it like, the first year? I think yeah. it was 2016, yeah. Yeah. It was like one of our most fun screenings. To, like We had um, actually been up north touring with the film for about a week, and then to come home, that was like our last event was really cool. And to be in Brooklyn, we hadn't done like a Brooklyn event. So that was, it was very meaningful and special for us to be yeah. part of that. I had a good time. I remember we had brunch at House of Yes right before your screen. Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> like an impromptu brunch. It Which was, really was so cool. fun. Yeah. Um, and we also had brunch with your friend who is on that Amazon show, right? Yeah, Diara. She was in the brunch. It was me, you, Diara. Uh, it was, who else was there? Were you at the brunch? I was not. I was in Mary Nashville per- for Beyonce. Mary Perino, <laughs> our director of photography, was there. We had a couple of Dream Girl cast yeah. members or yeah. crew members. Yeah. Super and plug fun. your friend's show. What is it called? Do you know the details or anything the about one on it? Amazon? Yes. Well, unfortunately, Amazon didn't green light it. Oh, um, they didn't? No, but she is all, she's fabulous. So yeah. um, she's actually on The Last OG now and okay. she's, she's writing for The Last OG. And I think she's shooting a show in Canada. Oh, amazing. Ooh, that's amazing. And her boo, Miles Feld Scott, her husband, <laughs> um, he actually has a show on sci-fi called Deadly Class. Oh, cool. And they just um, did a, um, I guess, like a premiere at uh, Vulture Festival yesterday. So they're doing great things. Amazing. Wow. Where do I watch The Last OG? The Last OG, it's on TBS. It's on TBS. It's on Netflix. I thought it was on, I thought it was a Netflix show. Oh, no, it's TBS. It's uh, with Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, it's TBS. Yeah, they filmed it across the street from my house. Oh, really? And I did like a live stream like every day. <laughs> yeah, I saw Tracy Morgan on my block too, and I was like, oh. it's so fun. So I feel I really feel a part of the show, and I'd like to watch it, and I don't know where. <laughs> I, I'm it. 99% sure it's on TBS. <laughs> yeah. Um, wait, wait, what's like, I, it's so interesting because I feel like you're so tuned into like all the media that's happening, obviously in New York and Brooklyn. You must see like a billion screeners. Um, but what do you watch, like, on your downtime? Like, what are the shows that you're into? 
what are you like getting you know excited about Um, I watch a lot of television. Well, I mean, I guess I don't watch traditional television, but uh, what am I watching? Yeah, I just heard you guys talk about House of Cards. I watched that episode because I was very, I watched season one and then obviously when everything hit the fan, I was like, yeah. oh, what are you going to do? And when I heard that Claire was going to um, continue the show, I was really excited. So I watched that. Um, I watch uh, a few German shows just because, <laughs> considering my relations to the Germans, uh, my fiance is a German, but um, I watched a show called Dark. Mm. which was amazing. Where do you watch German television? Well, no, no, it wasn't. It's a German show. Like, it's a, a co-production or a, uh, it was shot in Germany. Is oh, that the I one see. that's on Netflix? I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's called, it's like about time travel. Yeah. It's like amazing. It's like Stranger Things It's like Stranger meets, Things yeah. meets like... Time travel. Yeah, exactly. It. It's really good. Yeah? Yeah, it's I really good. It changed my life. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> no, it's really good. Um, what else do I watch? Um, I, you know... What am I, there was one thing. Oh, I watch um, what's the, what's the show called with the Chinese family in Texas? Fresh off the boat. Fresh off the boat. I love that show. <laughs> I watch Fresh Off the Boat too. It's really good. I watch all like the ABC family sitcoms. Yeah, that Blackish Superstore. I do like a whole night of watching all the family yeah. dramas. So those are the things that I'm watching now. I'm watching a few more things, but for some reason it's not coming up in my head. But I'll, I'll blurt it out everything every time it comes up. Any, Please do. Yeah. Any movies that have really spoken to you? Or do you go to the theater? What's your movie? Or are you just I, a TV gal? No. You know, it's so funny. I don't go to the theater that much because I watch so many films throughout the year for Bushwick Film Festival. Um How many films do you have to watch? Uh, well, luckily I don't want watch that have to watch that much anymore. Like, for example, this year we got... Um, uh, around 1,300 film submissions, and okay. I was assigned about 150 of the feature ones. Wow. Um, so that took a lot of time. Um, but what's in the theaters now? I don't... That's a good question. We're kind of like almost rolling into the holiday... Holiday Oscar awards season. Where it's all did you be. see uh, Star is Born? No, I did not. Dang. Okay, okay. Did you say dang? <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person I met who's like, I haven't seen... <gasps> my best friend John hasn't seen it either really that's surprising to me yeah he doesn't really go to movies though mm. I mean I feel like people who even don't go to the movies went to the movies for that one I feel like that brought people out mm. but apparently not you yeah. never know what was the media that you had growing up anything that you feel like really influenced you or really spoke to you as a young person the media or the like the shows that I watched whatever yeah um, well, I watched everything and anything that was on TV, basically, <laughs> yeah. because it was free and it was available. Um, so, I mean, I did grow up. I know we we're about to talk about uh, Insecure, but I did love The Last Dragon, which is one of the tributes that was in that season. Um, I watched a lot of uh, Moonwalker. I watched a lot of, you know, uh, just TV sitcoms. Um, in terms of movies, like we just watched a lot of. Like coming to America. Oh God, that's like one of my favorites. <laughs> the Never Ending Story. Yes. Howard the Duck. <laughs> so good. Howard the Duck. Yeah, interesting. No, no, is it? Um, remember the, the the little duck that like went to the future? Yeah, yeah. It was it called? Oh, great question. What's his name? Howard. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if his name was Howard, but it was one of those like t television movies. Love it. I watched a lot of Disney. I saw Moonwalker for the first time a this duck year. That goes to the future. I watched a lot of Moonwalk because oh, my brother was obsessed with Michael Jackson. So, so amazing. Was every other child in america right yeah he, um, he had a successful career <laughs> yeah. 
That's so cool. Uh, but you know, it's funny. I didn't really get into independent movies until I was in college because I just didn't grow up around them. I didn't really know of the indie cinema, like alternative film scenes. But when I did start discovering it, I totally blew my breath away. And, and that's when I started sort of pursuing a career in alternative cinema. Which is not that alternative, but I'm just saying it's different than, than commercial movies, which is what I grew up on. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. I think what, and I was so excited that you were our guest today because I was just reading about you online. Obviously, I'd known you through Dream Girl and the Bushwick Film Festival, but I think you're somebody who really walks the walk and talks the talk. And I, I think it's like so amazing the way that you just uplift diversity in the industry and, and women's voices. And so... This Thank is a, you. This is a great lead-in to... Well, Insecure is interesting, too, because I wonder, like, even thinking about the Bushwick Film Festival, like, what you have probably had to do to, like, get that thing going. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, this season, Issa is trying to kind of find her voice and trying to dip her toe into kind of building this nonprofit, which she's not sure, really, if she's going to be able to make it up the hill with or not. Yeah. Um, did you see any kind of parallels in your journey at all about starting something or feeling any kind of empathy for her or do you think she's gonna make it? <laughs> <laughs> no I mean it's so funny because she actually was wants to start a festival yeah. yeah so I thought that was interesting and to note we did screen awkward black girl at the Bushwick Film Festival like eight nine years ago oh, yeah. it was really cool um unfortunately Issa couldn't come out from LA at the time uh but it was it's, it's it was it was cool to, to be able to do that um yeah, I thought it was interesting that she was starting a festival. And when I was watching it, I was like, girl, she has no idea. <laughs> I was like, she needs to do a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want her to give up. And I'm and, and I'm happy that she sort of, I think towards the end, she sort of revived her desire to move forward um, with, you know, taking on such a huge uh, r- job, basically. It's, it's a big, it's a big um, job. As you know, like, you know, you sort of <clears throat> went the opposite path and decided to make dream girl um by yourself quit your job and those things are so hard and like hard to overcome so yeah um what are your guys's first um thoughts or feelings about this season what were your big kind of any big like takeaways or themes that really resonated with you i know we can go through a couple of the um the fun things but yeah just off the bat anything um i think for me i love season one and season two i think Insecure is like one of those shows for me of the last five years that like if I were to list off 10 top 10 it's definitely in it I love Issa Rae I love Yvonne Orji like they're just amazing women and I think this show is such a trailblazer in so many ways this season for me felt very transitional it felt very much like it's taking us to somewhere that we're going to pick up in season four and I think Issa especially is on this really, as we've already touched on a little bit, on this kind of weird convoluted journey into finding her stride. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought Molly for me was like the uh, the real focus of this season. I, I really loved the storyline they had of her um, kind of struggling to find her step. Like she, in the first two seasons, I think she's really grounding for Issa. I think she's very much the girl who like has it all together and mm-hmm. she has a great job. <laughs> she has her own apartment. She's very much in her power. And in control. Yeah, and in control. And I think in this season, she's you know struggling to kind of navigate office politics. She's struggling with that open relationship she has with that guy who's married. She's struggling to date the guy that is crazy about her, but she can't quite let in yet. Um, And so Molly for me was really kind of the character that I 
latched onto and and was really fascinated by. But it's not. I really liked this season. I think I think compared to season one and two for me, it just felt a little bit more abstract, a little bit more like we're taking people to a place as mm-hmm. opposed to having arrived. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. What are your thoughts? I think I do agree. It did feel transitional. Um, but that's, you know, I, I do love, I mean, I love Insecure and I love Issa Rae and I love what they're doing yeah. with the series. Um, everything is fabulous about it. You know, it's like fashion, diversity. Well, I mean, a lot of black people <laughs> on that end. Um, and I enjoyed watching it. Um, there were, there's a few things about, you know, about the show. Okay. What I love about Issa's character and the show is that it allows it allows to see a character of a, a black woman who is just like any other, you know, woman struggling to figure out who she is. And you don't really see that type of character that much. It's either the super strong black woman or, you know, or the crack, you know, crackhead, you know, like, so I like that watching it, it sort of feels like how I was in my 20s, you know, like, figuring out, going to parties, sleeping on people's couches, like trying to start a business, doing something new, like just having fun and seeing that transition in, in a character. I really enjoyed that. Um, for this season, I felt like she might have, I thought she was going to grow a lot more mm-hmm. than she, I felt like she was in the same place in a way, like, mm-hmm. you know, with her ex-boyfriend on his couch and, you know, doing a business. And I was really disappointed when she decided not to start it. And, and then like, and then her ex-boyfriend came back and I was like, I love him. He's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> and then I know. I think I texted Diana and I was like, Lawrence is <laughs> back. Oh my God. He's Lawrence amazing. Is Episode five, we were all like, there's yes. something so refreshing about seeing him. I don't yeah. know why. Jay Ellis is just so like, he's so great on screen. Yeah. They're so good together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I, I do, I do love the show and I love having the space to see characters like that exist, you know, in the world. Um, so yeah, I thought like even their friends, I really loved the scenes. I think the best scenes were when all the girls were together. Agreed. Just like when they went to the Beyonce concert. Yes. Oh my God, that was hilarious. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Like I feel like I watched, you know, I've seen all the seasons, but mm-hmm. I really liked this one for some reason. I remember texting Diana and being like, this one's really resonating with me. I don't know why. I think partially too, because I waited to watch it until it was kind of all out and then I was able to kind of binge it because I think my big thing with Insecure is I hate that they're 20 minutes like I feel like we get such a like a glaze Mm -hmm. of the beautiful relationships and um, kind of like the nuanced conversations and we just I wanted to go further like I needed to be 30 minutes or Mm -hmm. 45 Um, and so I think I just I think the way that I watched it maybe could have shaped how I viewed it but Mm -hmm. I I also liked that Issa I feel like so much of our lives are figuring out. And I like that they kind of didn't really rush her in any direction. Mm-hmm. And I liked that she kind of had to sit in that. Um, and I, I liked what happened with Molly. I think she's, I think their dynamic of being together and being such great friends, but being such polar opposites and mm-hmm. how they handle emotional situations <clears throat> is really fantastic. And I love that they don't enable each other because they definitely, I think, call it when they need to, but I like the support there. I like when, and I think the ghosting theme was like really fascinating. And I don't think something we've seen in a show before that obviously we've all experienced some kind of ghosting. (laughs) And I loved that they talked about it. And that one episode where she, she doesn't, I guess she meets him in the Uber, whose name, the guy's name, I can't remember now. 
Nathan. Yeah. Played by Kendrick Sampson. Um, that whole episode where they're like spending the day together was so gorgeous. Like what a beautiful, it was like such a time capsule of an episode. I thought they did a really great job. I think what, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that because like, I thought the same thing, but at the same time underlying, I was just like, no, because <laughs> like, really? I had this, you no, know, because it, it just felt like it, you knew that something was going to go It was wrong. just, too, it was just perfect. too perfect. It's like. They spend a beautiful day together. They get tacos. Like, they get naked. Like, you know, all this stuff. She um, blows off her responsibility. And that's one of the things that you see in her struggle. Like, she's blowing off responsibilities for men. You know, like. Mm, And so I was just like, "Uh, he's so cute, but Issa. Yeah. (laughs) Like, don't blow off that responsibility. Um, So I thought, so I love the scene and everything. But you sort of knew underlying that, like, this is the... This is the same cycle that she's trying to break out of. And Ooh, she's back in it. A thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. I immediately was like, because she literally is on Daniel's couch, goes on a date with this guy. And, and there's no kind of sense of her like figuring out herself mm-hmm. before she's with someone else. And yeah. it's a lesson we all have to learn, which is why I think it's great to include in the show. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I was watching and I'm just like, oh, Isa, like you got it. <laughs> you're blowing off work. You're like, she kind of. And this is kind of a thing of her character. Is yeah. like she's very much impulsive. She's very um, in the moment. And I think I liked the ghosting story around Nathan. My only thing is like, I didn't feel like by the end when he surfaces again and shows up on her doorstep, I didn't feel like I understood her motivations for why she chooses not to let him back into her life. And I think it's, you know, she's standing up for herself in a way. But I was reading about it online and he kind of hints at the reason why he was so absent is because he had to go back to Houston. He was feeling really down. He was feeling he basically hints that he's been depressed and been going through a really hard time. And I think the writing was a little bit underdeveloped in the sense that we I could have understood that better. And I think think that's the thing with ghosting is it doesn't matter like what the like for you to not say, hey, I'm in Houston. It doesn't. But then. I don't think we I need, need to more empathize of with him. I don't want to empathize with him. I think it was just, I didn't understand it. And for that to be the final but scene of that episode. that's the thing is we never understand why people ghost us. No, not understanding <laughs> why people ghost. What Understanding like that whole dynamic because they did give it like three episodes. I think mm-hmm. I think what, they, what I'm hearing is what I sort of felt was like half of me was just like, Oh, they're sort of trying to touch upon mental illness. Yeah, and, but then not in but like, not. <laughs> but not in like a way that you probably would need to, especially when it comes to mental illness in the black community because yeah. people don't really talk about it. So you're seeing for me, I was like, oh, I'm seeing this young guy that you know I understand what he's talking about. Like you're experiencing depression and you don't give a fuck about. Mm-hmm. You kind of tune out. You can say okay. fuck. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're experiencing de- depression. You don't care about how other people are feeling. So you sort of just go in your room, close the door and like cry under your mm-hmm. bed, you know? So I kind of thought that's what, that's what they might've been hinting towards. I totally. See. You know, but at the same time, I was like, if you're going to handle mental illness in the black community, then maybe there was another way to so give it three of... minutes at the end of a finale. Yeah. Well, I think for I me, like Kendrick Sampson posted on Instagram the next day, he was like exactly that addressing uh, Nathan, his character's, uh, mental health essentially and talking about how that's what that scene was getting at and I was like mm-hmm. oh like I was like yeah. oh that was intentional to be addressed in that way and I like that Issa doesn't get 
a hard line answer about why he left. Because yeah, who cares? You right. go, you ghosted on her for like three months. It's yeah, that's insane. <laughs> but if you're going to address mental health, I think it could have been treated in. A, it could have been addressed more in an intentional way. I think. I feel like I think because I was so with Issa on her journey of kind of. Um, her being in transition and I thought Nathan's character for her was really just like this escape Mm. and Mm, I think to a certain extent Daniel was too of like trying to find maybe if I fill this hole like you were saying Diana like I don't have to deal with myself I'll just fill this hole and you know we can work this I can find something here Mm -hmm. Um, and I think also because there's not a lot going on in her life the ability for it to take over her brain Mm -hmm. and for her to become obsessed and want to go through his room and make up excuses to like drive by um, I thought that was like so well done because Mm -hmm. that's something that I think we've all experienced where we get like a little too we have a little too much space Mm -hmm. and it can really just ride in our minds yeah yeah um, especially I think as like a young person when you're dating and mm-hmm. you're like waiting for that message, especially now, like, and you were seeing them on Instagram <laughs> and you're just like, why are they alive? But they're not yeah. interacting with me. That's the, yeah, that, that was, you know, another thing about that scene about when they go to Nathan's house, which is amazing and funny. Yeah. And that really shows how, uh, beautiful Rachel, sorry, not Rachel, sorry, Issa's and, um, Molly and Molly's friendship is yeah and like yeah, you know your ride that. or die yeah. best friend who's like i don't care I don't how crazy yeah, <laughs> she's not even talking you. to his roommate she's like yeah i'll take you to his house to drop off baked goods yeah. like <laughs> she's like i'm here for you i know you're going through something yeah i will go and be even crazy with she you just like gets in the lifts with her sometimes <laughs> I know. She's like, I'm bored. can you come lift with me and she's like all right yeah i also i think going off of your point erin like she quits her job on such a high after being with nathan like she's mm. like yeah i can do this like i've got this new guy in my life i'm figuring out this festival so then when he ghosts her it just throws everything she and we've all like been she there. doesn't have it yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like she's just kind of left with like the tumbleweed going across her life because it's like yeah, yeah. You don't have the job. You don't have the guy. But everything's kind of thrown into question. And it's yeah. on you to really figure out where you go from here. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, Issa's character, I think, is so special to me. Because I really feel like that was that is that was my life. You know, like that was me. You know, like I've gone, I went through a really heartbreaking breakup. And, you know, you don't see what she's going, like they don't show that part on screen. Like you don't really see her crying or like at home for days on end and things like that. And so I can really relate to that and just seeing how she deals with it in different ways, like like healing, but not publicly. Yeah. You know, so she's doing like unconscious things to sort of deal with the, I guess, the pain of a breakup. Because, I mean, their relationship was a long, we were together for like five years. Yeah. And then she's cheated on him and, you know, the... I'm assuming the feeling of regret that she's probably, you know, all that stuff, like you said, a lot of room to build up in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely do relate to that. And I also relate to, and I always felt like growing, like I always felt like the issues that I was going through as a young, you know, black woman that you, I just never saw it on screen. There was mm-hmm. always so many shows about like the same person, but not, looking, yeah. you know, so I thought, I just think it's just a really cool to see regular black people just going through regular things and like dealing with depression and dealing with relationships and drinking and having fun and even drugs, you know, like in recreational, like having fun at a concert, usually see that we like, you don't really see, I I don't remember seeing a, you know, a a show where a group of black girls get together and go to a concert and get high off of Molly. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. It's interesting. 
Um, but yeah, so there's a lot. Yeah, I think you're right, though, quite by the scenes where it's all the girls together mm-hmm. are so powerful because I don't know if this is like a, you know, we can thank uh, Michael Patrick King for like the, the four women on screen just having different personalities. I don't know. There's something like about seeing women in a group mm. that is so, I don't know, communal or... Yeah. I can't I can't describe it. It's magical in a way. And them all being allowed to like celebrate each other's successes and let each, each other kind of fuck up and letting each other like I love one of the scenes I loved in this season was when Issa's kind of talking about like staying with Daniel and seeing what's going on there. And Molly's just like, no, <laughs> like, there's not a relationship there. You like <laughs> basically use Daniel to sabotage your relationship with Lawrence. Like She's like, this is not a thing. Yeah. But she doesn't say it in so many words. And Issa comes to that on her own. And yeah. I think and you and I, we've talked about this before, is just like the space that Issa and Molly give each other mm, to screw up, yeah. to screw up and to come to things. It's it's so realistic. And it's so for me, it's like how a lot of my female friendships are. Yeah. Or strive to be. Um, and so it's also kind of aspirational. Although like, at the end, you cool. know, when Nathan shows up for her birthday, Molly was like, I don't think so. But then they get in like a thing about it. And yeah. I love that. I love that Molly's like, yeah, and I saved you from this guy coming by. <laughs> and Issa's like, excuse me? <laughs> um, and that's something I actually really related to was, you know, when Molly kind of cuts Andrew out of her life when he doesn't understand her fully he's trying to i loved that yeah that dynamic's that dynamic because i mean i don't know about you guys but i was like oh she's like wrong and she thinks she's right she's very cut and dry and i relate to that a lot in this season this scene where Issa and her have a fight where Issa's like i just don't cut people out of my life like you do Mm -hmm. i've had that conversation (laughs) with my friends about my dating life so i was like oh my god this is so real But, um, yeah, I loved Molly's dynamic with Andrew. I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone was about to jump in and then nobody. Also, did anyone see the gif of him with, like, his hair down? No. And he's, like, walking in the street and it's, like, Asian <laughs> Bay, like, gif for life or something like that. Amazing. And his hair is stunning. Yeah. Really and gorgeous. I think that um, one thing that I also love about Insecure is – that it does talk about the biases in the black community mm. when it comes to interracial dating, when it comes to just everything, like a lot yeah. of things, um, how it's okay. She's like, no, I only date black guys, you know? Well, she's like, I know I only want to end up with a black guy, so why would I even date somebody else? Yeah. And then, I mean, if you reverse it, if you think like if a white guy like, oh, I only date white guys, I don't want to end up with a black girl, I would be highly offended. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's interesting that they show that, and especially when she goes into the all, like all black uh, law firm yeah. and like how her her experience there is like uh, like she's learning how to act in like an all black um, work environment. Yeah, um, I, d- I just think that that's very interesting just to show both biases on, you know, on both sides. Yeah, she's really having to navigate her amb- the ambitions she has for herself with the expectations of her coworkers. Yeah. And like kind of you need to fit in here. Yeah. You don't just get to like do what you've done before where it's like she gets to step into her power every day. Well, also, I think like she's so used to being in, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, like a. I don't know, more diverse or like a more normal. She's at a black law firm now mm-hmm. that does things differently. 
Um, and I think doesn't do things like she talks about, like having to like sign a signature and like send it. And why don't we just use like this technology? Mm-hmm. And I do think that's something that happens like within marginalized communities and specifically, you know, I work a lot in the women's community and there's, it's a different, you're on a different playing field, um, which sucks, but then you have to kind of learn these new rules of like, okay, how do I navigate talking about money with this community that is so scarce? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Molly really struggles with figuring out like, oh, I thought I was going to feel and be so seen Mm -hmm. in this black law firm. And now I'm realizing I'm having to like sacrifice some of the things that I had and they do it differently, and it becomes this ongoing joke with her coworkers that, like, well, my firm did it this way. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's so hard, and I've definitely been at jobs where you're so used to what you know, and then when you have to, like, reframe it, it's it's hard. Yeah, especially since she left uh, – I think part of the reason why she left her old law firm was because she was, like, the only black person yeah, there. Yeah, And you remember that scene where the And other, she was being discriminated against, yeah. too, right, with her paycheck? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, yeah, that's I think that's a good there, – there's so many good storylines in Insecure that addresses so many things in a comedic, comedic dramatic series. So I think it's really cool. The other um, – and they didn't really touch about this too much, but I also really liked when Tiffany had her baby shower <laughs> – um, also I was obsessed with that she reenacted all of the different, oh my um, God. iconic pregnant oh, yeah. photos of like the Beyonce, the Cardi B, <laughs> and then she like did her own. I guess Issa talks about after the episode, she was like, yeah, she's saving that for her whenever she does get pregnant. Like she's holding <laughs> on to that. Um, but I like, I like the dynamic between her and that other girl whose name I can't remember, who's a spectacular star and one of the writers how their friendship is shifting and how I do think you become kind of not obsessed with, but like wanting to know as much information about motherhood as possible. And I think, and I've had this happen with friends who've gotten pregnant and I'm experiencing it now of like, you're kind of thrown into like such a different world. Mm -hmm. And I thought they did a really nice job of like how painful that is and how your friendships do shift as people make different life choices and they move forward and blah, blah. I thought that was like yeah. a really cool and they did it wasn't like too much <clears throat> you know I think we got like an episode or two about it but I thought that was really well done as well yeah definitely I like the scene where her and Issa are talking after Coachella in the car and Issa's like quit her job and waiting for this guy to text her back and her friend is just like I'm about to go through like the biggest life changing thing and I don't feel like any of you are there for me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so good because Issa's just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> she well, has not given it a single moment of thought yeah yeah well yeah. I mean I think it's so hard to and I, I feel like I have so much empathy for both sides because my one of my closest friends um got pregnant a couple of years ago and it was really hard to understand and it was really I really I mean you know I consider myself a feminist and I read a lot about women's issues and their stories and I was like I really tried to create space for her but um I don't know if I did or I don't know if I succeeded or didn't or it's just it's different yeah yeah it's very it's if you're not going through it it's like you can have as many pregnant friends as possible but it's like so <laughs> yeah you can have a lot of empathy you can have a lot of space but it's like especially with Issa where she's navigating her own (laughs) situation every day. It's like hard to relate. Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to um, Issa's boss, Kathy Gurton. Do you, you you know her boss in We Got Y'all? Yeah, yeah. So good. Uh, Well, Kathy Gurton, I really love her character, especially since it's completely opposite from 
who she is in real life. Uh, she's actually a friend. She's a she's become a friend of mine, which is really cool. Like she came to the Bushwick Film Festival last year, Amazing. and ever since we've been building a really cool relationship. She was a part of our panel and like uh, this year. Um, anyway, so I think that Issa's experience at work is something that we all can relate to. Where you're in this dead end job. You want to quit. You don't know what to do. And the, remember that scene when the woman was like, how long have you been here? And she's like, five years. And you think about it. You're like, oh, my God, five years of my life in a job that I don't want to be in, like this dead-end job. And then she's the only black girl in the, in, the, in the office. And nobody actually asks her questions about, like, race issues that they that come up. Um, and I just think it's just very interesting how how they set up that space for her. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, I think about, like, my – when I was kind of at that dead-end job and, like, the sexual harassment, mm. and it's, like, you can – there there is a real effort to be made about trying to make culture better, which Issa does. Mm. And she, you know, tries and, you know, tries to get more people of color, and there's a point where she's, like, I can't – I don't know what we're doing here, and, like, I can't be here anymore, and you just got to bounce. Um, I thought that was, like, very honest to, like, sometimes people just – the culture doesn't get it. People don't get it. But she's she plays a, a really phenomenal part in that. And even her, that little friend that she has, mm-hmm. um, who's, like, trying to be woke, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, be supportive, but. Yeah, they have that uh, important moment where she's like, do you mind if you can ask her for And she's like, I just got in this role. I can't really help you, you know? Yeah. And it's it's, like, that's when you know that. Sometimes when you're going through like work issues or struggle, especially in her case, that like it it actually is probably just a dead end. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny in that scene, like not only she's been there for five years and not only is it a dead end job, but it's her piece of it is getting smaller. Like she's oh, no yeah. longer allowed to go to the schools and she's no longer like, you know, being a part of the meetings where she can like speak, speak up and, <laughs> and do that kind of thing. So it's like she's just stuck at the desk, I think, robocalling, basically. And it's like, oh, man, the writing's just on the wall. But And then that scene they have at lunch with her coworkers. Yeah. And she's like, guys, I can't speak up for the black people. And the guy's like, well, I'm the voice for gay people. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the voice for black people. Deal with it, you know. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you do have to feel like if you're the, the only woman in the boardroom, mm-hmm. like you have to be the voice for women. Yeah. And if you're the only, you have to be the gay, you know, like Asian diversity. And it's just like, and yeah, it gets frustrating. You don't want to be the only voice for women. You don't want to be the only voice for the LGBT community. Like, you know, there should be more voices. And that's a struggle that, I think everybody can feel when they're put in that position. For sure, yeah. yeah. It's like, we don't just need, it's tokenism. Like, it's like, you don't just want, to, like, one, you want to, like, create diversity in a company culture where people feel like there's a lot of different voices from a, from varying communities and varying backgrounds. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I think the brilliant thing, too, about that organization, too, is that they're trying to serve people of color. Yeah. And I think this is something <laughs> that always baffles me about, like, women's organizations when they're, like, run by men or, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, when we have, like, all these big women's magazines that are, you know, run by men. Like, mm-hmm. we have all of these huge influential media platforms that are w- – women have no say and <laughs> no influence. And it's like, hmm. To really think about that yeah and you never know until you actually try to look under the the hood yeah. the hood and that's one thing that i experienced as at the as at the bushwick film festival because i remember the first few years i was like oh we got all these amazing stories about women and and diversity and, and then <laughs> then we went we were like listing the directors and they were literally all mm. men, male directors and i was like 
oh <laughs> like i didn't i wasn't aware of that the first three or four years in the beginning like we one year we literally had like two feature film female directors just because wow. i we, i just assume that we had a lot of female directors because a lot of the stories were about women just you know like you said so it's just you definitely do have to do do due diligence and look under the hood to see who's running these organizations um not not that the organizations are not doing good but just to make more space for different people at the top basically definitely yeah um do we want to talk about lawrence popping in at the end <laughs> did we think this was it they were going to get back together lawrence. or what, what were your thoughts guys i was you're saying no i don't think they're getting back together well now we know yeah that he's dating the divorcee but when he popped up you didn't think oh this could be it maybe i thought for her? i thought they were circle get back, back together I thought it was like kind of a a touchstone of like somebody who's really known Issa. Hmm. Like she doesn't know Nathan. She doesn't know him. They've been on a date. And nobody knows I Nathan. Don't think <laughs> she really knows Dan Daniel really knows her. Exactly. Either. And so I think Lawrence was kind of brought in and he's the one who's like, Well, what are you doing with the festival? And like, mm-hmm. it's really hard. I see you in that. And like he, I almost feel, was used as the character to kind of bring her back to earth. Mm. It's like it doesn't matter what that guy who ghosted you thinks of you. It doesn't matter like that you left your dead end job. Like, what do you want to do? And he really knows her. Like they were together for five years. Like he is a big part of her life. And so I kind of saw it as that. I kind of saw it as like someone who can come in who isn't Molly, um, who kind of helps her like get back on track in a way. Mm. What did you think? Um, I think I felt the same way. I felt there was a very, a moment that I talked about a little bit earlier about when they were, watching The Last Dragon and, and how that was one of those moments when I thought that they were going to start rekindling yeah. their relationship. Yeah, when he gets her the candy. Yeah, and then she says that she gave up on her dream to start the festival and that's when it hit in his head like, oh wait, this is, I'm not going back to this. Oh. And, um, you know, like he was this, he had that feeling of disappointment and he's like, wait, weren't you all about this? Um and I felt like I felt a moment of sadness because <laughs> I was like, oh, they're not getting back together. But then I also understand that moment that when you're trying so hard to get back to the familiar and when you get back to the familiar, you're like, oh, wait, this is it's why changed. it didn't work out. And then mm. he decided to go the other way. Yeah. Um, so I think it spoke to a lot of people in relationships and life. And, and the thing is, like, she didn't even realize that. So I kind of felt sad, like, huh, where were the moments in my life that like, I didn't realize that I was preventing growth, mm. you know, or a new opportunity or et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the thing is, like, she did, he probably doesn't even learn that she actually does start to do it again. You know, and, and it just like and it just shows those little special moments that the writer have. I don't know if this he had as the writer or she had her had Issa had it in her mind. I'm pretty sure she did. But those little moments, opportunities in life that like come so quick like it's a fleeting thing you know that you don't really understand mm-hmm. like how your like the direction of your life can go mm-hmm. just by a small moment and i thought that was very special yeah i i think i missed that moment because i was really like oh i mean i think you're right i think he was like a very grounding force and he really i think he was there to kind of anchor her in a lot of ways and kind of remind her who she is and I liked that they had kind of found like a healing place to kind of be, and I liked their banter at the movies. Um, I think you know that I th- was it season one where or when did they break up? Is it season? Is end it of season, season one? two or end of season one? Yeah, 
And they do that beautiful montage with them. Mm, yeah. I think I'm really holding on That's to that. That's at the end of season two. Yeah. It's like at the end of her. When she, when being, she daydreams about them. Yeah. Getting, yeah. I was like. <gasps> I just, I'm holding a lot of space for Lawrence still and I guess it's over. Mm. But um, it was, it was a breath of fresh to see him. It was nice. It was kind of a good closure, I guess, as we move on to this next chapter for her. Yeah, what are we hoping for for season four? What do we hope to see? Where do we hope we're going? Mm. It's a big question. Well, I mean, obviously, I think one of the biggest journeys, I want to know more about Issa's parents and how she ended up being in such like financial crisis, you know, like why is, you know, obviously they touch a little bit about it. Uh, and when she's with Nathan in the uh, really nice neighborhood, she's like, my parents lived here, you know, and I'm like, oh, interesting. So I kind of want to know a little about her parents and her financial journey and like mm. how she ended up, you know, not being able to pay rent, having to do this, not having a car. She's really spiraling down still. Yeah. And I'm like, when 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 is she gonna hit rock bottom and start moving up? So I'm interested in to know like how they're gonna do that. I think it's interesting too. I think the financials when I was thinking about this season, I feel like there is so much scarcity. I think especially as young people when we think about like student loans and like there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I really I think there's something refreshing about seeing Molly live in abundance. Mm. And I do want that for Isa. Me too. And I so I would like to see a little bit more of her either finding her groove or finding it, like, taking care of herself, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and maybe good. that's just it. Because it was also very therapeutic to see her put her apartment together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, align things and figure out the where everything was going to go on the walls. I yeah. Got, that really warmed my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see, like, Issa have the courage, like, have that really dig deep, have the courage to, like, find herself and grow. You know, like, get moving in. In a direction. <laughs> We're fine. You're good. Okay. <laughs> um, what about Molly? Any? Uh... I, I didn't want to say something. That's what I, I want to specifically talk a little bit about Molly's relationship with Dre. Is yes. It Dre? Oh my he's gosh. He's such a jerk. <laughs> like oh. I, I think that he's like the jerkiest jerk of all. I mean, he's amazingly handsome. Yeah, yeah. Sexy as hell. <laughs> like all that. Um, but I think that relationship is so crazy. Yeah. You know, not because an open relationship is crazy at all, but I feel like he is so oblivious to both women. I feel, I sort of feel like the, her, his underlying, his wife doesn't really want to be in an open relationship. Well, I can't. Like, it is it. I feel like she pretends that she's okay with it. Um, and then I, he also, like, completely doesn't get why Molly is not happy like how could you not get it like you're in the bed and you're like oh this is amazing and then he, he picks up his phone and his his wife like it's one thing if you and your wife decide to be an open relationship but he's so blatantly it's just so oblivious oblivious to it you yeah. know well i think the weirdest thing about their the open relationship is that they're all in the same friend group mm-hmm. i think it'd be one that thing if you never thing. saw the wife you didn't know who she was or yeah. whatever and you guys could exist <laughs> in your bubble but it keeps bouncing in <laughs> Um, and then we find out she's pregnant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, towards the end, yeah. Which, Which is, I think like, goes to the point she doesn't want to be in an open relationship. Yeah. I think she's like, having yeah. a kid is like a, you think okay, he's this just is a us now. Yeah. I think that there's a world of hurt coming from Ollie because yeah. she has not dealt with how painful that whole situation has been. Yeah, clearly, because she lashes out at And now there's a baby. And I think I want that, and speaking of season four, I'd love to see a little bit more of that from Molly. It's like, Watching her navigate, I think, is going to be interesting. Yeah. Do you think she's going to stay with Andrew? Do you think that relationship so. will grow? He seems like a delight. Yeah. I think that he, he yeah, I, I think that would be an interesting um, 
what do you call it? Storyline in season season four. Yeah, agreed. I'd also like to see the two other friends get more screen time. Like I do really like all of them together. Yeah. I like I mean, I like Issa and Molly the best, but I would like to see more of their dynamic and more of their friendships and um, more of them would be really fun. I think they're being used really beautifully and intentionally right now, though. Like, mm-hmm. I like the way they're bringing them in for, like, key moments and that's true. key events and that kind of thing. I think yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Well, Kwebe, we'll have to have you back when we do the next season. <laughs> whenever you want it's to come official. back, really. This is an annual Insecure. It's a tradition now. <laughs> Podcast. Love it. I love it. Any other final thoughts or do you want to plug anything? People can Google the Bushwick Film Festival. They can follow you on Instagram and all the social stuff. Yeah, all that. Uh, any any <laughs> other the stuff. Bushwick Film Festival. And atten- if you're in New York, attend the Bushwick Film Festival. Yeah, it's in October. We are actually open for submissions now for cool. films for, for the 12th annual Bushwick Film Festival. That's incredible. So really. That's Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And we're launching the, I was just uh, talking earlier, we're launching the Bushwick Film Institute, mm. which is uh, the nonprofit branch where we're going to be developing stories by underrepresented voices and emerging filmmakers um, and uh, creating commu- uh, community programs for young filmmakers. You know, we just had a program with B&H Photo in Canon where we taught 15 young people how to make a short documentary. They made the documentary. We screened it at the festival. It was beautiful. Um, so that's what I'm focusing on right now. Um, I'm going to continue continue watching more shows and, and movies, and I'm just happy to be here. Thank oh, you for fantastic. having me. You're so fabulous, Kwebe. Thank you for all that you do, and thank you for being here. And if you want to tell us what you think of Insecure or tell us what you're watching, be sure to email beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Kent for Thanks, spending Kent. your Wednesdays. And Thanks, happy Kent. Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!